Hey everybody, what's up, Sagi here, and today on the show we have Didi Medina. Didi is a product design and leadership consultant. He's been in the game for over 10 years in the tech industry, working with companies in New York, San Francisco, here in Israel, all over the world. He's very much like me in a way that we both come from the tech world with over 10 years of experience in product design. We've been very savvy and really connected to a lot of the people in the like high tech, like in the tech industry. And I think Didi has so much amazing value to give to this podcast because that's why I wanted to bring him on because he's such a smart dude. He managed to get to very high income while also being that creative, that guy that starts many projects like a lot of us here. And me being the person that, you know, starts many projects as well and, you know, not completing some of them, some of them carrying through, some of them became, you know, pretty successful. And, but at the end of the day, I managed to get to a point where, uh, you know, becoming this like, you know, seven figure entrepreneur. How can someone take themselves to seven figures? Diddy is here to talk about that. Not specifically the figures, but specifically how do you get productive? How do you manage to start a project, finish a project? How do you become resilient? How do you not stop in the face of adversity? What is the right mindset to have about these things? Diddy has such an amazing, tremendous concept about all these things from his experience and his unique philosophy, which you will see he has a very unique way of explaining it and a very like precise way and so coherent and so sharp that I think you love this episode. Guys, enjoy this episode, the Commit First podcast with Didi Medina. Let's begin. Everybody, just one second before we start the show, I wanna tell you about Affirmations & Co. Affirmations & Co is my app, Commit First. We launched an app. We're taking Commit First into becoming a mental fitness tech company and Affirmations and Co is our first app. Maybe it will be the only app, we'll see, but we just launched it a couple months ago. We already have hundreds of users using it on a daily basis. If you're using Affirmations and you wanna leverage Affirmations to become the best version of yourself, please be sure to download Affirmations and Co. Search for my name in a search bar and follow me there because then you'll have access to my Affirmations. In Affirmations and Co, we have access to everybody's Affirmations. You can build on top of them with one tap, you add my affirmations to your affirmations, you can build on top of that. That's why we build up one another. And also you have different lists. For instance, I have lists for gratitude, I have lists for morning, my morning routine, I have lists for before bed, I have lists for before public speaking or before sales calls. And in general, you can just like have an affirmation session. I use the widgets on my iPhone. It's always in front of my eyes when I like my iPhone. I see on my home screen a huge widget rotating affirmations with a beautiful background, beautiful design. Obviously, you guys know I come from user experience design. So please download Affirmations and Co. And if you haven't enjoyed it, please write a review on the App Store. We would love that. We would really love your help in pushing this app forward, sharing it. This is Commit First. Affirmations and Co. is a part of it. So guys, enjoy the show. Here is Didi Medina. Let's begin. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Commit First podcast. And today on the show, we have Didi Medina. Didi, what's up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. I have to match that excitement. It's kind of like a tall order. Uh, that's no. the best I can do. Let's talk about excitement. Today, we're going to talk about excitement. We're going to talk about work ethic and doing the work versus personal development and the whole kind of like, you know, world of, uh, you know, um, affirmations and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you guys know my perspective um, on things, but you might not know some of the things that we're gonna talk about that are my perspective for when it comes to actually doing the work because you know my personal development uh, approach to things, but also, and, and I talk about 
a lot of these things on podcasts. I do not talk a lot about actually the work ethic, doing the work, um, those kind of things when it comes to, um, you know, when the things collide. And I think we had an interesting discussion earlier, Didi, about like, um, about this. So to anybody who doesn't know Didi, Didi, you're creative like me. Uh, you have experience in the field uh, about like over 10 years, right? In the industry uh, as a designer. And I think uh, when both of us are creative, uh, we used to be the people that kind of like have a lot of projects, want to get a lot done, mm -hmm. right? And then a lot of projects we leave, you know, just got, we start off, but we never finish. Um, and I know I for sure had that. I know for your, you know, like you, you also had that, but both of us found me made um made it work and and i think both of us like in general like again in the capitalistic world we're looking at you know how much revenue or, you know whatever like how much money are you actually making because if you take advice from someone broke it's not a good idea mm -hmm. but both of us managed to make like you know over like seven figures you know to build our, our, our businesses and, and our operations and um and i think what's interesting is that most creative i know like a lot of them are really struggling to make even six figures you know and like so let's talk about that. Let's talk about like, um, how do you actually get as a creative, if someone wants to achieve a lot of things, actually get to operating and being very productive and efficient? Um, what is the, you know, what, where do you find it? Uh, well, it's a, there's like 10 layers to that question. I, I think like, for, from a standpoint of like, there's a question of like, how do you become productive as a creative? And then there's a second question of like, how do you make your productivity convert into over six figures of, of returning ROI? Can be separated into two separate things because you, you don't have to mix creativity and the productivity of creativity into being defined by whether or not you make a profit. Yeah. That's the first thing. I don't think like most artists would define themselves as successful as an artist uh, if it makes over a certain dollar amount, um, which kind of brings to like, a very simple point. It's like, you have to have the humility to accept that certain things are better than ma making money than others. And you cannot make certain things become the vehicle to the billion dollar baby if it's not optimized for that, right? Like there, there's definitely routes that are better. Like when I, when I say I'm a creative and I say I'm like a designer um, and we also talk about uh, income and the, the high profits that I've made throughout my career, I mean, that's also very strongly correlated to the fact that I work in tech, right? Like if I was a graphic designer working for print studios and local coffee shops, you know, I, I, that's still a creative that can still be a very, very talented creative. I, I doubt you'd be bringing in the same level of income or having uh, even access to operating on the same uh, level. Right? So it's, it's really important to differentiate between productivity not needing to mean profitability if right now like you're in a point in your career where like productivity is translated to profitability like i know how to sit down do good design i know how to be creative but i want to get that to translate into like big bucks um th that can that can be addressed like separately right so it just depends which way you want to take it. it's like how do i become productive as a designer i think it's convoluted to uh, say that is defined by making more money. It doesn't have to. If you want to say, how do I become more profitable as a designer? That's a separate like topic. We go down either one. one yeah, I think you know, like I don't want to talk about specifically designers because right. lots of people listening to the show are like either like in any way are maybe considering themselves creative entrepreneurs. That, yeah, feel free to guys like just you know shout me out and tell me if it's not true. 
But creative entrepreneurs by, by default are creative people that want to be also entrepreneurs, meaning they want to be business owners and they want to increase their income um, to a point where they have, most of the people want to have enough for a good lifestyle and enough for a good lifestyle nowadays is a lot, right? But, the, but the people also want to be financially independent and you know they, they want to make as much as they can in this capitalistic world. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I'm just putting aside the fact that you know, if you make below 100K a year, that's also fine for some people, depending what? where we live and everything. I'm just putting it on a separate thing. I'm saying like, I think in order to make the income that we're making, okay, which is again, like not like, you know, I, I, I can't say, I, I'm not even close to being like an eight figure entrepreneur, right? But I'm like saying, there was a level to that, that I earned in the past couple of years, that is the friction, there's a lot of friction point between like the personal development, crushing even the beliefs, um, building yourself up um, in order to be able to make that much, mm -hmm. to be efficient, productive, and, and to think right about things and to have the right perspective, and doing the work, like putting in the freaking hours. It's like yeah. a class because um, there's all this, like, maybe like a lot of the personal development world says, you know, do your affirmations and do your morning routine and, and do all that. And then at the end of the day, a lot of people rely on that. That's not like the conversation that we had, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I know you're also like into personal development. So how do you, how do you, let's say, how do you use personal development in your world right now? Um, well, I think like obviously solving hard things requires you to be very, very mentally prepared for battle. Right? Like you're, you're just not gonna go, everything that has a bigger reward tends to take longer, require uh, relatively like more pain and adversity to overcome. You're not going to get through that to see the other side of your work unless you can keep yourself level-headed. And whatever works for you in that process is a blessing. Like some people find the gym to be a way to keep themselves grounded and patient and calm with the process. And other people find uh, affirmations to be in. Some people do a hybrid of both and some people do yoga. I think like whatever it is you choose to do, um, there's a bunch of different tools. I think it's fair to assume that anything you pursue to do that has delayed returns, right? Like it's like I start work, I break ground today. I'm probably only going to see the fruits of my labor in a year plus from now, in any sort of like meaningful way, and probably like in a substantial way, like even further down the line. Um, you're going to have to stomach a lot of like patience, and and uh, you know, there, there's all these tools are very very useful in calming yourself the fuck down yeah. and just taking it step by step. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in, in that sense, like, yeah, I've had, let me completely honest, like, when when I'm completely lost and I, I don't know what I'm doing and I feel, like, high senses of anxiety, I take waking up early, going to a gym way more seriously, right? Uh, I'm also someone I can say, completely honestly, like, when... I feel like I have a lot of clarity around what I'm doing and I'm taking a lot of meaning from what I'm doing and I can get lost in my work for like 15 hours a day, my habits go out of the fucking window. And my ability to make high financial returns are still there, right? Um, so that begs the question, it's like, what do these things do? I mean, they, they help you deal with ambiguity. They help you deal with uncertainty. Um, and we all deal with a different amount of it at different points in time. Somebody can be making a million dollars a year, but he's already cracked the code for it. He knows how to do it. And at this point, it's just like, you know, from muscle memory. And he, 
he doesn't have a bunch of insecurity about it, right? There's this concept of if you want to make it, you need to be very, very confident. Confidence is something you get after you've already proven to yourself you can do it. Like you need a lot of courage. Courage is the catalyst to confidence. Confidence is the return on investment of spending courage, right? Like that's how that works, right? So you gotta be confident about something you've never seen yourself firsthand do and succeed at. You can be falsely confident. You can try to convince yourself with all the lies you want to tell yourself that I am good at this. Well, you don't know that. There's no hard proof of that. And there's only so far you can go to like cheating yourself out of like just accepting the adversity of like, I don't know that I'm going to be good at this yet. And that's okay. But I'm still going to wake up and do the work and try to prove to myself that I can be. Now, once you're past that chasm and you're kind of on the side of like, I know how to do this, you actually rely less on these tools unless you're going for your next climb, right? So it's like, if I figured out I'd make a million dollars a year, but now I wanna figure out how to make like way more, or I wanna get into real estate, or I wanna get into something that I'm completely a stranger to, again, I I tend to fall back on, you know, I'm going into a place of uncharted territory for me, and I usually reach back into these tools, um, always wanna do that, and then when I'm like, I don't work on a plateau and enjoying the view. I'm not trying to like use the word plateau in a negative way. Like I'm saying like, I'm there, I'm aware I'm there and enjoying the fucking view. And that's something people don't do enough. They're always trying to climb. Um, you know, at those periods of time, like yeah, I'm okay waking up at eight and I'll wake up at a five. I'm okay, um, you know, doing work when it comes to me and not doing what it's not. And you know, like it's, it's a whole, it's a different phase, right? So it depends what side of that you're on at any point in time. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, because like, again, like Mike was in a way, but um, <laughs> so when, when, when you talk about it, I'm like, you know, like in some areas, I, I have this theory, right? First you, first you have to have clarity of vision. A lot of people are yeah. stuck there, right? Yeah. They don't have clarity of vision. Um, the, the things like, you know, taking the time to just not do anything yeah. gives you the space to understand and get being clarity, right? Then when you gain clarity, you need to take massive action towards that yeah. goal. Yeah, totally. Right, and then the, the massive action, you're gonna hit a lot of adversity. Mm-hmm. That's where you also need kind of like the mental fitness side of things. Um, and more people, some people need it more than others, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of people just don't know to differentiate between the two phases. Um, gaining uh, clarity of vision, and then taking massive action towards your goal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're intertwined, at least in my career it was like that. Like in, in the past five years, I've been yeah. in a lot of places of like lack of failure. So I said, okay, fine. I'm gonna take more walks in nature. I'm gonna meditate more. I'm gonna like, but still right now, when I'm in massive action mode, mm-hmm. I feel like the amount of adversity you're, you know, you're uh, tackling um, can be sometimes really heavy, you know, like in, in, so in order to break that, for me, at least again, meditating, walking, you know, working out, uh, affirmations. So all these are kind of like habits that I built for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to utilize when I need it. Yeah. But the question is, like, I guess, um, why do you think like do you think people just don't know when to how to like how much you should they should pay attention over here versus how how much attention they should pay at working actually doing the work. I think people are just like underestimating maybe how much work is needed. That's a good thing. I mean, there's a whole like psychological paradox that, that, that explains that. It's probably the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? It explains our confidence. 
um, towards things, right? Like it's on a, it's an inverse bell curve. It's like when you know very little about something, you're very confident about it. As you learn more about it, um, you get very, very petrified of it. And as you become an expert, again, you're very confident and comfortable, right? Which means like if you're doing things that are new and you sound over excited about it, you're probably in the novice category. Yeah. Um, it's the same reason why people, when they start a brand new job, they have so many great things to say and then two months later, they have a shift in opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing with like every new thing you go through. The, the, the problem is like most people get to that middle ground, which is the point of sobriety. That, that's a point where you're really looking at it for what it is. And they see it as like, no, now I discovered the bad. It's just, it was there all along. You don't want to see when you started because you couldn't see it, right? Um, and that's like usually the point where now you fully understand it, now it's about like climbing up and getting to that other side where you become an expert at it and you've mastered that challenge and, and you kind of become good at it. I think back at like what you were saying, um, the way I usually like to reference it is like people have to be like, both methodical and disciplined, right? It's like, if you're all disciplined, you can work really, really hard in the wrong direction. If you're all methodical, no discipline, you can be a complete philosopher, right? And okay. you, you need to have enough methodology to put your like hard work to good use, which is not given. Working hard does not mean it's being applied in the right way. You can learn really, really fast and hard in the wrong direction. That is absolutely possible. Yeah. Um, so you kind of need to know how to cycle through that. Sometimes, like if you find yourself like working really hard, not getting to the results you want, having the humility to step back and be like, maybe it's not about me not trying hard enough, it's about me applying that effort to the wrong place and really trying to reflect. Um, other times you can find yourself like overthinking and over planning something to death and being like trying to convince yourself out of every possible risk. And that's also a good time to just shut up and you know, just do learn. And then when you get to the bottom of that curve, like then make the decisions on what is and what isn't, because your brain is going to both for better and for worse, try to make assumptions way too far into the pipe um, in advance to try to protect you. Right. And I mean, if you knew how to succeed in new things that you're about to do, you, you wouldn't be like taking on the challenge, you'd be on the other side of that, right? So it's fair to assume that if you're taking on something new, you're, you're the last person you should trust to ask the question of like, what would actually cause this to work out? Like, you don't know that. Like, (laughs) so just uh, try to think about it try to like, you know, come up with some level of a plan. Um, Don't beat it to death. Don't try to over scrutinize every detail and then just apply it, see how it goes, iterate and slowly eventually make it to the top. So here are a few traps I think like people find themselves at, right? Mm -hmm. Regarding what you just said. One is they say, well, I can't predict that much in advance. I'll go ask other people if that my idea would work. Mm. Then they go ask other people and people, you know, like mostly say, nah, you know, the chances of this working are slim, like, right. like any other business, <laughs> right? right? Um, and and I, hit, I definitely hit this when I build affirmations and go. Um, most people said, so you're building a personal development app, come on, like B2C, like, you know, put your time into something more practical, right? Yeah. Um, and then, I cannot still predict anything to the future. I have no idea even if I would be able to self-fund this thing, you know, yeah. like the whole way through. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of like just commit first, carry up later sure. on it, right? Um, but I think a lot of people just get stuck there. They, they, they find themselves not being able to either commit to it because they're too afraid because of the unknowns. Mm-hmm. And then also some mentors and some family members, whatever, that usually have no experience with it, never mm-hmm. done an app themselves or anything like that, tell them a lot, you know, nobody will want to invest in such a thing. No, yeah. you know, you have no, no way of succeeding. Um, 
So for me, I have a way around that, which I explain to people, but I want to hear your perspective. How do you, how do you tell someone that just like, you know, wants to get started, build a business, has a lack of clarity of kind of like what they want to do? Um, how, do you, how do you help them start? Um, whew, it's a heavy one. I, I have like a very non-sexy answer, right? Like I think like some people might sit and tell you like, oh, you have to believe in yourself. I mean, what, what the, what do you really have to believe in pursuing something you've never done before, yeah. right? Like you can look at other things you succeeded at and roughly say, I've done hard things in the past and came out on top, so why is this any different? But that, that becomes looser and looser abstractions of what it is you're about to do. Um, it's like, just don't make that feeling your enemy. Like it's, a, it's like first normalize the fact that it's there. It's like, it's not going anywhere. Um, I think most people see the fact that that emotional cocktail comes up as a bad sign is like their first like fail. Um, it shouldn't be a bad sign, right? It's like obviously your body's gonna try to protect you, your, your, your psyche's gonna try to protect you, and it's gonna optimize for laziness. It's not gonna optimize for success. It's gonna optimize for preservation of energy. Um, so your, everything about you is gonna try to convince you out of it for the most part. And uh, if you know that's your natural state, then just when it comes up, don't try to give it too much meaning. Like we decide how to give meaning to the emotions we have. And when people feel like, oh, my intuition's telling me X, it, you have to be equally honest with yourself of like, what about your intuition tells you that you're the expert to answer this question? <laughs> like you, you, ha you haven't come to the other side. Like every, I see, you see this everywhere. It's like, People who've never made a million bucks critiquing people who have made a million bucks and what it takes to million, make a million bucks. I'm sorry, you didn't do it, you don't know, right? And I have the ability to say that everything I thought I believed about making like money before I started making real money was absolutely wrong. Like my assumptions were completely off. That should come in no surprise, right? Um, so normalizing the feeling I think is first. Like be okay with the fact that all right, it's just there. Right, it's, it's noise, it's amongst things. You're gonna have it come up like on a, a weekly basis the more you pursue like complicated things. Um, it's also your advantage in life. It's like the second you become somebody who can just like dance with the chaos, um, you get to be part of a club that's less than 5%, right? The, the beauty of the world is, is like 95% of people don't have the stomach to dance with the chaos, which gives you the advantage. It's like, once you learn how to do that, You'd be surprised how little competition there are. Like no, nobody can do it. It's like you. When I see people like coming to me, be like, "Oh, you're not afraid that people are going to steal your business if you share your secrets?" Like, no. You know how much work it took applying these ideas. Yes. You know how much like insecure nights I had. Like, I don't see like the average person doing this. I'm not worried at all. I give them a goddamn playbook, and they still won't do it. Um, so that's what you have to look forward to is the fact that everybody goes through it and. And they do rarely, those gut feelings rarely um, are right, right? Like it's, it's, it's just you trying to protect yourself from something you don't understand. And we're always afraid of something we don't understand. So don't, don't give it too much weight. After that, it's like, okay, I am struggling not giving it weight because no matter how much I understand this on an intellectual level, on an experiential level, my body, my emotional reaction to things is doing things I don't want, right? Um, and, and this is very, very common. Like I. Um, I have this happen a lot, like, you know, you grew up in a household like where uh, it, it was very, very religious, right? 
And um, pretty much I grew up with this mindset of like, no matter how much I succeed in life, I won't be good unless uh, like I'm good in the eyes of God, right? And that was kind of like this idea that was taught to me as a kid. And even like while I started becoming successful, I find myself going to my parents' house for like a visit and flexing, right? Like I, I need to make sure everybody knows how successful I am. And like I, and then going on the day, I'm like, what the fuck did I do that? Like I, I know I'm good. I know I have nothing to prove. Why did I do it? Because frankly, like what we understand at intellectual level is different than what we do, like it's driven from an emotional level. So I, as much as I can say words that make sense to anybody who's listening, I understand that even if they make sense to you and, and, and you can fully internalize it, your the experiential like level of your body is going to conflict with what you understand uh, intellectually. And that's where these tools really come in. They police your emotional level. Meditating, right, a little bit more can help slow down that response of like going from, I feel out of control to needing to do something about it, right? Um, so that's, so yeah, all, all those tools like really help slow down that emotional state to try to keep up here with what you already understand to be true on an intellectual level. Um, and I think like over time, uh, as you take on more risks and you tolerate more risk and you get more comfortable with just risk being all around you, your tolerance for it goes up, you'll find yourself needing um, these tools less and less for those reasons, right? Um, so that's also like really, really enjoyable to see. I think now I meditate not to keep myself like calm and capable. I, I do it just because I enjoy it, right? And of course, it has a, a massive beneficial like uh, okay, but you know, I, I used to like like police myself to do it because I knew like things would go wrong if I did. I'm not not in that stage, right? So, um, but yeah, that's kind of like part of the process. Interesting. So, I think like most of us, when we go through what we go through in order to grow to our full potential, um, have limiting beliefs that we mm-hmm. came up with, right? Yeah. How do you how do you work on yours? I'm also not going to say anything groundbreaking here. Write it the fuck down. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, okay. you'd be surprised, like, if you write down what you believe to be true, um, how absurd it would look to you uh, when you read it back, right? Um, one thing that I that I do is, I found it, like, I think, like, on Tim Ferriss a long time ago. It's, like, one of those things that, like, of all the methodologies and ways of doing things this thing this one stuck with me um was like fear setting right it's the human condition is programmed to be afraid of loss more than it is programmed to pursue opportunity right so if you try to understand why you're reacting to something in a certain way that doesn't make sense to you you're like why 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 would i give this so much weight like why why is why is this the way i reacted it doesn't make sense um it's probably because of an underlying fear um, so starting off with not what you want, but rather like what you're afraid of is actually a more productive way to try to understand what's causing certain behaviors. Um, the fear setting like template is available online, like you can find it. Um, but it kind of walks you through like the systematic way of just saying like, all right, what are you afraid of? Um, what is the consequence of inaction? Like it really gets you to like write down in a, in a, a structured way, the thing that you just don't want to say out loud because you think you're better than that. Um, between you and a piece of paper, nobody can see shit, right? So yeah. it's kind of like the most vulnerable place, things you want to even open up to in front of a therapist. 
um, you can possibly say in a piece of paper, uh, which is like very powerful. Like, so you go through it and then realize like where that fear comes from and just like normalize it and humanize it. And then from there, once you read it back, you're just like, yeah, I, I was, I was definitely giving that way more weight um, than I should. Now you'll be sober for about a week or two, right? So th this is why it's continuous work. It's like you'll you'll like for a second be like, all right, I feel comfortable. I'm gonna go like put in my time, wake up early, and get back, and then slowly starts dwindling off because again, those return like those um, returns on investment don't come really quick. So you might have to do this a couple of times. You might need to start journaling, right? It's like you need to carry it out long enough so you can be patient enough that the returns come. Um, so that's how I do it. I like kind of try to get what's in my head out uh, in some sort of productive way, either by writing, I reflect once a week, um, and uh, I also have a therapist. Like I, and, and I think finding a good therapist is probably the hardest challenge anybody can go through. Yeah. Um, I think 90% of therapists are mediocre and don't know what they're doing. Um, because for the most part, we just want to be validated. So if you sit in front of a person and you know someone's like, mm, wow, I agree, wow. Like, <laughs> of course you're gonna feel great, right? And then like, you're gonna feel like you're making progress because you just want to hear that you're already good, right? It's also why we go out to other people and ask them about our company. It's like, we're not actually seeking information, we're seeking validation. And you know, you get to do two things for different, the same things, sorry, for like, different reasons, they'll yield completely different results, right? So. Um, yeah, a good therapist, you're so fine. Um, and uh, while you don't have a good therapist, um, good mentors, um, and when I say good mentors, it's like, whatever problem you're trying to solve, talk to people who've already solved it, right? That, that's like the, the hard rule. It's like, don't ask people to help theorize what they think would work if they were in your shoes or whatever. Like, it's very dangerous. Like, you don't need more speculation, right? Yeah. It's like, you want to solve problem X, find someone who's already solved it, and then go talk to them. You'll get a whole different experience. So that's like number one, right? Um, and then if you can't get mentors, like be your own mentor, write it the fuck down, right? And then try to read it back and reflect on it. Now you can probably push it through chat, chat GPT. That's <laughs> it. Oh my God, man. Well, let's not get into AI. Um, <laughs> but um, I think, first of all, I think everybody can get a mentor. Yeah. Um, right. Like, and uh, we we have, by the way, like we had a discussion back way long ago about mentors and such. But um, my my theory is like get clarity of vision, take massive action, get a mentor. So yeah. it's like yeah, I have it right here like um, vision, action, direction. Like this mm -hmm. is you know, and I think that most people um, basically they get they get stuck um, in in some some shape or form. I'm taking action. What is your like, what's your take on, um, if we have to now like wrap this up and, and give some some maybe examples, you know what? I'm gonna take in a different direction then we'll wrap it up with what I wanted to ask. Sure. I wanna ask you. So you had a project you started, you know, that you dropped, right? You're still starting your project. Yeah. And you have a couple open right now, right? Um, would you say that right now you're better at like taking on a project and what and seeing it through, having it come to a success? Um, and if so, what are your tips for people who are not in starting projects all over the place, you know, and not even continuing? Um, so 
you can have like two people both like starting a bunch of projects and both dropping a bunch of projects. One person I would say keep doing what you're doing, and other person I would say you have something you've got to revisit. Right? So the difference here is like in the pursuit of finding the project, right? You're going to have a lot of uh, sacrifices, a lot of things that almost became something but didn't taught you something and then reused and then bent in a different way and then you know it's kind of like part of the process right um whether you see it now or you'll reflect on it in like 10 years and say how did all of these like you know different attempts like shape like who i was even at the very le least like you just kept that curiosity gene um like going and, and touching different things right like it, it, it's like the reborn muscle to, to keep and then there's another person who you know, is trying to convince them into, because it convince themselves into certainty of whatever they take on is going to work out. And because of that, they only start and never end, right? That version of that scenario is problematic, right? Like, I think the, the number one thing that I've learned about making really big decisions is, that have a lot at stake, whether it's for you or for others, uh, you start with leading yourself, and in the future you might lead others, like you might make big decisions on behalf of a 500-person organization. Um, the, the nature of, the, of big uh, decisions is you need to make them based on clarity, not certainty, right? And most people get stuck is because they believe, this is something that they wired themselves to believe, that if I can't prove that this is going to work at the forefront, then there's a justification of why not do it. And that's a completely flawed mental model, right? That's a very defensive mental model and that's not how um, great things happen, right? Clarity is not ignorance, right? Clarity says like, all right, here's a set of information I have today, right? And based on it, there's statistical change like it can work, right? It's like, you know, you can find a billion people that don't uh, care for the application you're, you're starting, but um, you know to yourself, like this is something you would use and there's gotta be at least like a hundred people like you, right? That part, you know, too, that, that's clarity, right? Um, is that enough to start something? I would argue yes, right? Um, so that that's kind of like the issue. I think people try to convince themselves uh, into saying, no, I'm being responsible, right? I looked into it. There's very rational stories behind every one of these narratives around like, you know, why I didn't do something. Right. Um, and very few people are ever going to say out loud, like, I started, it was interesting. I just got, you know, undisciplined and bored and dropped it. And that's an honest answer. And that's also not something to dub yourself for, because like these things that you drop play a massive role into the things that you end up sticking to. Yep. So I think interest on skills. Yeah, totally. And, and experience. Totally. So it's kind of like the meaning we give to certain events that we go through to try to protect our own egos that really like causes the damage. It's like, I started something, I dropped it halfway. Uh, let me try not to think about it. That's one version of that. Or I started something, I didn't do something about it. Oh, I'm so lazy, I, I lack discipline. That's another toxic story. Um, and then like I did it, uh, I, I pursued it for a little bit, I dropped it because here's a very elaborate story of why it won't work. And frankly, if none, none of you are like fortune tellers, you don't quite know that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, all those stories are, are bad. And it's like, 
being honest with yourself and, and, and giving yourself space to be human and like to say, okay, I'm gonna start a bunch of things. It's okay to not have success. It's okay to be part of the cohort that's working to get there. It's okay um, to not be there yet, right? Like all of these things are like prerequisites to playing in this game, right? It's like, if you can't be patient with yourself, you're not gonna make it far enough, right? So I think there's just a lot of pressure in society today of like, you know, being successful, overnight successes, like you look to your friends and you're like, oh, why am I not there? And there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of fear that you might not make it to the other side. And, and I get that. Um, I, I'm not someone that's gonna encourage you to death. It's just, if you can learn to deal and live with that uncertainty. Because this is like the thing that most people do is they try to convince you that you're great. They try to convince you that you're gonna be great. And they'll tell you everything up front and, and nobody knows that, right? And, and that's super, super toxic because the, the, only, the main tool you need in order to get to the other side is to like tolerate this adversity, like to, to stand straight even in this uncertainty. If I take that away from you, I'm taking away your biggest tool. Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm taking away your your biggest opportunity to develop the thing you need in order to potentially make it to the other side, right? What was the name of the book you said, uh, the, the American Cuddle Culture? Oh, John, Jonathan Haidt is an amazing like uh, social psychologist. He, um, he wrote two books, like both really good, um, but the one I was, we were talking about is The Coddling of the American Mind. It's, it's more of like a, a study that tries to explain why as a societal norm, like you've become very, very soft. Um, since like the like millennials have become very soft, I like included in this cohort um, since like the '90s, and what part in our culture um, caused those outcomes? None of them are bad intending, um, but ultimately we're, we're slowly losing this ability to kind of like accept that there is adversity, there is like chaos, and it's no one's responsibility to take it away. And you should also try your hardest to also not let anybody take it away. Like the second somebody takes it away, you become fragile. You can't like operate in, in chaotic like situations. And like, when did you ever know life to be anything but chaotic? People have mixed opinions. People believe in different things. You have certain interests. Other people have other interests. Like if every time somebody doesn't want to give you what you want, that becomes a reason to just stop where you are. Like. You're not going to ever develop the tools like to get there. Like it's it's just yeah, you get what you take. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, definitely, man. I mean, I think like you know, um, it's we we've gotten soft also because 2010 to 2020 mm -hmm. for anybody in the world was just fantastic. You know, it was a great decade. Yeah, uh, we got to 2020. All of a sudden, oh shit, adversity. You know, like. Uh, we have to stay at home, you know, people got lonely or people with kids got, you know, oh my God, like two weeks with my kids at home, like, um, and I think at the end of the day, a lot of people saw the opportunity in it, but a lot of people also never really quite got it. Mm. Um, and the mindset that we put ourselves into, if we were too cuddled, then that would be, we're always looking for comfort. And when shit gets hard, mm -hmm. we can't take it because we're not resilient, because we haven't built that resilience. Um, so our mind always goes towards comfort and away from uh, discomfort. And then what we usually do is we are masters at getting to comfort. Like, yeah. you know, see that great restaurant, let's go and let's go have fun. Let's go on another trip, let's go on a vacation. You know, like we're masters at that. But when discomfort comes, we're just really pretty good at getting away from discomfort. But when we just have no way of running from it, like COVID, 
lot of people just got, you know, burned. Like I think yes. that's, and in order to go and, and be ready for that, be resilient and understand that life's gonna hit you hard a lot of times like that, then you have to go towards discomfort kind of like on a regular level. Do you believe that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think like uh, seeing yourself wing is not as important as allowing yourself to fail and finding out it's not that bad, yeah. right? Like, it, yeah. it, it's like, because like you get bored of your successes really quick, right? Like you're just like, all right, I did that. Um, and that's like something I can do with, like in my sleep now. Um, I need something harder. The, the really, really ironic thing about success is because we're just sophisticated baboons, we're not special, right? <laughs> like that, that's the thing I try to remind people, um, is the second you succeed and the second habitual adaptation kicks in, which is our ability to get used to the norm that we have and take it for granted, um, you're gonna want more, right? You tell yourself now, once I have a Lamborghini, I'm gonna be happy and then everything is settled. But like, once you have that, you're gonna want a private jet, right? And, and that's just on a very superficial level. But like, you can see that also with like the challenges you pursue, like with work and stuff like that. And the irony in all of it is like, as you succeed, your problem gets harder, not easier. Because the thing that will satisfy you next is now 10 times bigger than the thing you just did, right? It's like, if now I already know how to make a million dollars, right? The next problem I need to solve is like, okay, how do I build a company? Now, a lot of like haters like that are starting out are gonna say things like, oh, but you have resources, so you can invest and you have like a better head start than somebody else. I mean, sure, right? Like I'm not gonna deny the fact that I have resources, but if you're denying the fact that it's still fucking complicated, it's just, it's straight ignorance, right? Like it's like, there's why people have been given millions of dollars that burnt it to the stake, right? Like it's, yeah. there's no shortage of those too, right? Um, so there, there's, and, and the decisions get bigger and bigger. Like you watch executives of 200, like right now what's happening in the market, like executives need to show up to work and be like, oh shit, like we need to like fire 15% of our workforce, right? And that's not like an easy decision. Try to wake up and do that. And unless you can walk like a second in those shoes and try to imagine yourself doing it, like, Say thank you, that the biggest thing you need to do is say no to the client, right? Like yeah. it only gets bigger and your resilience grows and, and, and develops. And it's something that at a certain point, the more you look at it as like, some people have it, some people don't, one day you get it and until then you don't have it, the more you see it as like this binary thing that either exists or doesn't rather than it's like uh, something that you never stop training, just like a muscle, um, you know, the more it becomes this mindset of me versus them, right? Whereas like we're all in the same bucket and we're all dealing it on a different context. Like the challenge I'm dealing with is super, super hard for me, right? In the situation I'm in. And my sister who's just starting her life, she's like 17, 18, her biggest fear of not landing her first job is as real to her as some of what you might call significantly more bigger problems that I'm dealing with, right? But to her, that's literally the biggest problem right now and her, from her vantage point, that she'll ever deal with in life. That, that's what she believes. And that experience is true to her. And, and and that's what makes it real, is the fact if if you believe it to be true, it's gonna be equally painful. And but the thing is, it never stops, right? Like when, when she gets to my age um, and she went through like certain challenges, now she's dealing with bigger challenges, she's again gonna find herself at that same doorstep of feeling like, this is impossible, screw it, I can't overthink it, let's just go in and start figuring out what to do, right? Like, yeah. eventually, no matter what happens, it's like, you can theorize something to death, 
It's not going to change your reality <laughs> as much as I want to say, well, there's a certain amount that does, right? Like there, like I said, you have to be somewhat methodical, right? So there's room for it, but to a degree. Um, but at a certain point, you're going to find yourself either saying, and therefore what? And needing to answer that question or stuck in the same position inevitably, right? And, and nobody's going to get you out. So, um, yeah, like the therefore what thing. You know? No, no, it's uh, 100%. Get to it. <laughs> I think you know, like when I was um, when I was in boot camp in the army, mm-hmm. then I remember like those couple of months I was completely miserable, like completely miserable, and all of a sudden, like I was like this good kid coming from the good house, good family, and all of a sudden, like commanders are fucking yelling at me, and you know, like making me run from one place to another, and I have no control of my real life. I lost all my freedom, and I got really like depressed, and I was like really in a bad state. I remember just like calling my parents like the first uh, weekend mm-hmm. when I was closing at the base and I was just crying. I'm like, like, I can't believe that this is my life now. And, and, and like about a year after I left the army, um, I met up with some people from uh, that were with me in boot camp. And they were like going around, like we're on the table eating dinner and they're like just talking about how amazing the boot camp was. <laughs> like how fun was that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, fun? What are you guys talking about? And they're like, that was so fun. What are you talking about? You know, like we, we had so many laughs, you know, we, we drove the commanders crazy, you know, we, um, yeah, what? You guys like actually took it in a great way. So we both went through the same experience. Mm-hmm. And I saw it like as a hard, bad experience, you know, in my world, perspective, whatever. And they just thought it was a very fun experience, you know, like, and it's a, to complete the same experience. Mm-hmm. So objectively, you know, we all go through a lot of like similar things, but we are so subjective, mm-hmm. you know, like the baboons of, you know, like are so subjective that we can decide if we want to take it one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such a big, big uh, insight. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. And um, another thing is regarding what you just, going back to what you talked about, like completing projects and stuff, mm-hmm. I'll just give like my, my two cents to anybody who's asking themselves like, Oh, so I don't, I don't know like what project maybe I should pursue. Mm-hmm. So I always tend to go back to that Ikigai concept. So if you guys look Ikigai up in the concept, Ikigai is where you have like a Venn diagram, imagine four circles, top one being, what are you really passionate about? The left one being, um, what, like, what are you really good at? What are your superpowers? Right one being, what does the world need? Actually need, not what they want, what they need, what yeah. do you think they need? And then the bottom one being, what are people willing to pay for it? Which yeah. is actually what people want to buy. Right. Um, and so if you map all this, like you map this Venn diagram, you will find a perfect project that at the end of the day will give you the final result. Meaning when you're at your deathbed, you will not regret doing it. So in a way that might be a good thing. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's something I was once told um, that, that stuck with me. It was like kind of, you're not gonna regret anything that's your decision, but you'll regret plenty of decisions. And that's kind of confusing when you first hear, but if you think about it, it's like a lot of times we go day to day making decisions, but when we make them because we feel like we have a choice. Like, okay, I need to wake up. Okay, shit, all right, I'm gonna do it, right? It's not your decision, it's like a decision that you made, but you took no ownership over it, right? Um, Rarely do we approach a situation where a decision needs to be made and make it our decision. This is my decision. This is what I'm choosing to be, right? This is like what I'm choosing to do. And the the upside of doing that, right, which means you're still making the same decision, but like from a different state of mind, um, is you can't regret 
when you do that. And when you can't regret, you don't pay that transitional tax that you get sometimes, like when things don't work out, because plenty of things are not, like where you end up like feeling like a victim for a little bit and finding ways to justify why it didn't work as consequences that has nothing to do with you. Um, because even if it didn't work out because of somebody else, right? The funny thing is, is just like, if you convince that in a negative way, in a positive way that it didn't work out, that's on me. Like you'll find yourself just moving on to figuring out what's next much faster, right? You pay less transitional costs, right? Like you talk about compounded like interest over time. I find that people are not to make decisions like this, like that transitional period that most people pay of like, oh shit, I need a, I need, I need a feel bad and, and guilty and, and just crap for a little bit before like I try to take on something next. That transitional period that might be a couple of months, a couple of years that some people pay that other people don't is the difference between me getting to somewhere monumental in two years and somebody else getting there in 10 years, right? Yeah. Or even at all, right? Like, cause right. that shit can also break you. It's like, yeah. you can also not come out of that funk. Um, so yeah. it's like, it's in your better benefit to not over protect yourself. Um, it's okay to fail. It's a very cliche thing to say. It's, it's necessary to fail. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's good that you're paranoid and afraid uh, of what's to come. You're not the expert, so don't over try to think it. You're, it's your natural state. Uh, you're not the, the person who should be advising yourself on whether or not that should be the reason to or not to do something. And you can always go into everything saying, fine, like, I'm going to do this for two months, learn more about it, right? And then I will make a secondary decision. You can even do that if you want to prevent yourself from needing to psych yourself into like, this is all or nothing, I need to pursue this for the rest of my life thing, which can be kind of heavy. You can just kind of say like, I'm really gonna give this my all for like two months and I give myself permission after two months and only after two months to kind of reassess and see if I want to continue. That might make the emotional barrier of not taking it too seriously and not overthinking it a little bit more possible. But these are all like hacks to subsidize our current like mental state. Some of us have more mental toughness uh, due to better like parenting and think to the parents who've done that. I didn't get that. Some people have to develop it. And you know what, at the end of the day, just make yourself uh, amenable to like being slapped around um, Bill's character, right? Like <laughs> that's my opinion yeah. on, on, on the matter. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not one of those people like uh, here to convince anybody they're great. It's like, I'm here to say like everybody has the ability to become it and uh, whether or not you're one of them has more to do with you than the world, right? And there's exceptions to that rule. Please, nobody uh, tell me like, oh, but you don't know what it's like to grow up in my shoes. I, I have my own story, everybody does, and I'm very aware that some people have a better head start than others. I, I don't take that away. Um, I just think at a certain point, if you go down that train of thinking, you'll just hit a wall or you'll circle back to the same question and therefore what, right? And once you get to the point where you're like, and therefore what, and you're like, all right, I gotta get started anyways, then ask yourself when you're at that intersection, do I have a chance of winning? And if the answer is yes, it doesn't matter if you have a better chance or a lesser chance of somebody else, just focus on winning. Like it doesn't really matter, like at that point. And, and we all heard like funny, like amazing story, but like poor people getting to so much like, you know, greatness in their life. And you know, Which like, is big in part with like their ability to, they, they were conditioned their whole life to deal with uh, 
With adversity, right? right? Like, right. very thin. Yeah, I, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 14 and a half. My experience and my circumstances is not like to get pity. It's like, that was my gift. Like, I, I was taught early on, like, no one's gonna fend for you. Like, you don't show up for yourself. Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get what you want, right? Like, yeah, those eat. are my conditions, right? You're not gonna eat, you know? And like, I, those type of pressures and circumstances do only one or two things to people. Like, it either breaks you, right? You can go into severe depression, and before you know, like, head into trajectory, it's really, really bad. And they don't, you break out of it, yeah. right? And you transform into something else, right? I was very, very lucky to be part of like the cohort that like, you know, experiences stuff like this and break out of it. I'm not saying it's not easier to fall into the other bucket and that if people fall into the other bucket, I'm not gonna be compassionate and understanding, right? Most of us are not in that bucket. We have, we've been to university. We've been to, uh, we have access to good information. Clearly you're watching this podcast, right? You're not part of a cohort that doesn't have access and information, you don't live in an age where you live in the Soviet Union or like like socialism and like uh, and all that. Like you're living in a in a different time. So yeah. I, I think no matter how much you want to make the argument that you don't have all the resources to do what you want in the most convenient way you'd like to, once you stop and reflect, you'll notice that you have just enough resources and just enough like ability to give it a partial go and see what happens. And it, it, you just eventually gonna have to accept that as your your fate, no guarantees and, and put it to work. And if after you put it to work, it doesn't work out, talk to me then, right? <laughs> but I really find anybody coming up for, for a follow-up after doing that. So it's like, so yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, I think that was a great, great conversation. Um, like, um, I would say, first of all, before we wrap up, Didi, where can people find you? I'm not that active on social media, but if you uh, if you want to reach me, reach me at hi at ddmedina.com. Um, just email me. Uh, I'm, I measure my productivity by how little is on my calendar these days, so I'm very <laughs> open. Um, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I have Instagram, I have Twitter, but I'm not really on those. I don't even have the apps on my phone. Um, but Why, yeah, by the way? What? what? Like, do you have a specific reason? Is it just like... I think there's like a thousand justifications of how you can use this stuff for, for good to benefit you. Um, no, obviously it doesn't look as well. I, I don't find the ROI to be that monumental. I find that anything important makes it to me, right? I don't live under a rock, right? Like it's like, oh, I don't get the latest news on the war in Ukraine, trust me. Like yeah. I have papers, like I, I know, yeah. right? I, like, and I think short form uh, information uh, is toxic because it, it, it to get anything to be that short form requires the intense removal of nuance. And this entire world and this entire existence is nothing but nuance, right? So it's like, if I wanna learn a topic, I don't wanna learn it in tweets. I wanna learn it from like a really extensive, like fully comprehensive book that goes into multiple perspectives and multiple viewpoints. Yeah. Um, so the shortest form of uh, information that I allow myself to consume is podcasts and that's also just to get a broad idea of things I might be interested in and from there I usually once something sticks like I'll go find a book to read more about it um, but yeah I just find it influences my uh, way of thinking in ways I don't really like right like it's just yeah 
Got it. All right, man. So, I mean, first of all, you know, too bad you don't, you're not active on social media because I think you have so much value to give to people. Um, uh, we had a talk before, you know, on, on, on our agency and uh, hopefully we'll be doing some business together. And um, you gave so many valid points. I think you're like, your philosophy of life and business is so great and uh, spot on. Um, you know, a lot like I relate to. Um, so thank you so much for your value, man. And, um, and yeah, guys, like if you enjoyed the conversation, so first of all, feel free to share it on social media if you're active on social media. Uh, you can also email Didi at hi at didimedina.com just to say thank you. If you uh, just got back from this podcast, feel free to email Didi directly. Um, and you know, if you share it on social media, I'll, I'll send it to Didi um, and show him. Guys, thank you for listening to the show. Remember two things. One, recommend this show to others. Send it to someone who might value from it. Share it on your social media. Rate us on Instagram. I'm on Spotify if you're listening to this on Spotify. Rate us on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Write a review. That means so much in order to get work for this to the show. And second thing, download affirmations and code and use it well. You know, use it not to be reliant on it for you know for for your success, but use it to grow to uh, just re wire your brain and limiting beliefs. Um, I use it on a daily basis as the widget on my iPhone, Affirmations and Co. Uh, follow me there if you do, just find me in a search and follow me, that way you'll have access to my own informations and you can use them as your own. So uh, guys, thank you so much, Didi, thank you, and see you on the next episode. Hey guys, what's up? Sagi here. I hope you enjoyed this episode that's brought to you by Affirmations & Co, the app for affirmations. If you want to change your life, if you want to crush limiting beliefs, if you want to change your inner chatter, you need affirmations. I use affirmations on a daily basis and that's why I created this app. In the app, you can set reminders to have your affirmations sent to you via push notifications. In the app, you can set widgets on your iPhone or Android device. In the app, you can follow me and other creators and entrepreneurs. And basically, you can see my affirmations. And with one tap, you make them your own. Let's build with each other. Let's build on top of each other and help each other grow together. So get Affirmations and Co. You can go to affirmations.co. You'll have the download links or just go to your favorite app store and search for Affirmations and Co. All right, guys. Thank you so much and see you in the next episode.